All right, so tonight I was going to talk a little bit about um, perspectives. I, uh, um, I used to work at a surf shop, and there was like a shoe wall, you know, and a customer had come in and was looking at shoes, and, and there was a display that was blocking my view from the customer. Um, so I could just see, like just make out kind of the top half and, and see that she was looking at some shoes. And uh, so I start walking to her and I say, ma'am, can I help you with any shoes? Like as I'm going up to her. And like as I say that, I come around the display and I notice she's in a wheelchair and she has no legs. And I look and I'm like immediately like, oh my gosh, what did I just say? And she looks at me and she goes, she's southern, you know, very southern. She's all, now chow, what am I going to want shoes for? I ain't got no feet. <laughs> and I like, it just like threw me off. I just started, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, she's like, it's all right. I'm just looking for my nephew. And, uh, it, but the perspe my perspective was skewed, right? Like I, I thought I saw one thing and, and like I totally didn't see the real thing. And. Um, so I kind of want to talk about perspective and just how it relates to Jesus and, um, yeah, cause I, I think it's really important. We find like, uh, with the disciples, uh, there's kind of like, they kind of have two, there's the before the cross disciples and there's the after the cross disciples. Um, and so there, there was a big change that took place in their life, um, in that, in that you know, few days. And so I kind of want to take a look at that. Um, there was, uh, as Kingsley said, I, I've been um, fortunate to be able to do a little bit of traveling. I was um, in Fiji on a surf trip one time, and uh, we were on, out surfing this barrier reef, and it was a few miles from shore, so there wasn't really any land around. You take a boat out there, and um, we, we were surfing, and, and it was the rainy season, so squalls would kind of come and go, and, and it was just kind of normal. You didn't really think too much about it. Um, but we were out there, and a squall started approaching, and it, it looked, like, really dark, you know? It looked kind of uh, foreboding, like it was a little bit more intense than what we'd been, been used to. And, um, and sure enough, like it, it, it blows in and it starts raining really hard and then it starts like dumping like the worst rain I've ever experienced to the point where our boat that was anchored like 200 yards away, we couldn't see it because the rain was so thick and then it would like splash the ocean and then it would splash back up in the, your face. And so like for me, it was hard to breathe because there was so much moisture in the air. And I started getting nervous, you know, and then, uh, uh, and then immediately, like, thunder and lightning started coming, and it was just, like, one, you know, uh, literally, like, right overhead, just boom, and then the lightning would crack, and boom, and, um, and, like, you could feel it, like, vibrate your body. That's how, like, intense it was and how close it was. Um, and so I started, like, immediately, I just... I was like, okay, I'm either going to sit here and get struck by lightning or I can like paddle to where I think the boat is because you couldn't see it anymore. And hopefully I can make it to the boat and under, because the boat had a little canopy. And so hopefully I can make it there and under the canopy. And so um, I start paddling towards the boat and 
like after about 100, 150 yards, I, you, I could kind of make it out so I knew where it was. And I may, make it to the boat and I climb in. And uh, like um, the, this whole time, I'm just praying. Like I, I, I kind of have the sense that I'm experiencing like something special, but something really powerful and scary too, you know? Um, and so I, I crawl into the boat and I, I'm looking for the boat driver because he, he was he's just hanging back and he's gone. Like there's, he's nowhere to be found. And I'm like, oh my, like, did he, what happened? Did he die? Did he, you know, like, did he abandon us? Like, where is he? And, and so then I start panicking more and, and I'm looking around and it's not a big boat. There's like nowhere he could have gone, you know? And, uh, and then all of a sudden, have you guys ever seen Cheech and Chong? Like, you know what that is? Okay. So all of a sudden I noticed this like little hatch underneath the, the, like in the front of the boat and this door flies open and this like puff of smoke comes out and the boat driver emerges in this like cloud of smoke. And he, he was down there smoking and I'm, I was sitting here in like a panic and he's sitting there smoking. And um, you know, I'm not judging the guy, uh, but it, it was odd to me that he would choose that time to smoke. Um, and so the storm's still going on, and then I, I kind of go, you know, hey, maybe we should, like, think about, like, pulling an anchor and getting out of here. And he was like, yeah, okay, why don't you go out and, and pull the anchor? Well, the, the, the anchor's metal, and so is the chain and all the stuff around the anchor, and it's, like, uncovered, and so all the lightning's going on, and he, he like, sends me out there to pull the anchor. So, um, anyways, we, we made it out okay, but the Lord taught me a very important lesson um, in that situation. Um, we, me and the boat driver both experienced the same, the same event, the same storm, the same um, circumstance, but his familiarity, to him it was just nothing. To him it was just time to go smoke, right? For me, I had never experienced anything like that, and immediately I was crying basically to the Lord to save me, you know, to protect me. And a lot of times our familiarity with stuff can often veil our perspective on things. It can often hinder um, us from seeing things that are around us, right? We, we come to church, we do it over and over again, and we just kind of get used to, to church life. We get used to... Um, you know, what's going on, we get used to praying and worshiping and stuff, and, and we, we forget that it's about a personal, real Jesus, right? Like, he's real, he's personal, and he's alive, you know? Um, and we, we kind of can forget that because we get so used to the routine and so used to um, church life. Um, so I, I, here we have, um, I'm going to read out of Acts 4 really quick in just a few verses. Um, it says, uh, where, where, here we go, 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Um, so to give you a little backstory, Peter and John had healed this guy. And they get in Jesus' name, they heal him in Jesus' name, and they get arrested and thrown into jail. 
And then, um, you know, well, for, okay, they heal him, and then, like, this kind of crazy big revival, like, happens. All these people come to the Lord, and, and there's all this, like, commotion, and they get arrested and thrown in jail. And the authorities bring him out right here, and um, they're questioning him. And then here a little bit later it says um, in 18, And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's a pretty powerful statement for two guys that had just like a short while ago abandoned Jesus, right? Like they, they, uh, sorry, hang on. I'm not sure of the exact time, but it was probably just a couple months, right? Like, maybe not even that, that they had abandoned Jesus at the cross. And here they are, they get arrested, and they're, they're faced with a very real threat. Like, they, they've, been, they've spent a night in jail. Um, they know that they've, they crucified Jesus. Um, they know that there's like, they're trying to shut them up. They warn them not to speak in Jesus' name, and yet they say, we can't help it. Like, you guys do what you want. We, we have to talk about what we've seen and heard with this guy, Jesus. That's a big, big attitude change, right? Going from abandoning Jesus to in the face of death and imprisonment, saying, hey, we can't help but talk about it. You guys do whatever you need to do, but we're, we're still going to talk about it. Um, so what happened, right? Like what took place that, that they went from abandoning Jesus to being willing to, um, to face death and imprisonment with, with no care, you know, no self-concern at all. They, they were, weren't worried about it at all. Um, here's what I, I, I think happened. Um, prior to the cross... Um, the disciples, Peter and John and all the others, they were somewhat, what you could say, devoted to a cause, right? Like they thought Jesus was going to institute a kingdom that would set up Israel, and they thought that it was a godly kingdom. They knew he was divine. They knew he was, was from God, but they were thinking along the lines that this was, this was a... Um, this was like a political movement, a cause, right? And so when, when Jesus gets arrested, all of a sudden, everything they'd been devoted to, everything they thought they were working towards, was suddenly gone, right? They thought, wait, wait a second, like, how is he going to institute a kingdom if he's arrested and in jail? How's he going to make Israel sovereign and, and out of Roman rule if he's being hung on a cross, you know? How's he going to do this? Like, the, the scripture says that the Messiah's coming, he's going to do all this. And so they had this idea of what they thought Jesus should do and be. Um, now, I've been there. I've done that. I've been those guys before. Um, 
it's, it's interesting that the, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to these guys, right? Like, he, he has breakfast with them. He, he sees them in the upper room. Like, he hangs with these guys. He walks with them, and he shows them a side of him that they never really comprehended, right? And in the midst of them abandoning Jesus, he, after the resurrection, comes back and, and starts his friendship with them fresh, right? He says, hey, I'm not worried about what you guys did. Like, we have something that goes beyond that. I love you guys. We have something that is deeper than that. Um, and so my, my takeaway from this is that it became personal for them, right? Like, like they were no longer devoted to a cause. They were devoted to a person. Um, he, Jesus, remember, Jesus called us his friends. He said, I, I no longer call you slaves. I call you my friends. Again, that's a powerful statement from Jesus, that he calls us his friends, I don't know about you, but like, I'm much more devoted to my friends than I am to a political party, right? Like, I'm much more devoted to my friends than I am to a political party. Or to like, honestly, like to whatever it may be, a cause, like, to, than the environment. Like, I'm more devoted to my friends than I am to, to anything like that, right? Because it's personal, because I have a vested interest in these people. I've spent time with them. I've hung out with them. I know them, right? Like, we've laughed. We've cried. Well, maybe you haven't cried, but, um, you know, like, you, you know each other, right? And so because of that vested interest, because of that time you've spent with that person, you become devoted to them, right? You're, you're willing to stand up for them. And so for the disciples here, it goes from being devoted to a cause to being devoted to a person. Because, and now just hear me out. I don't think we need more people devoted to the cause of Christ. I think we need more people devoted to Christ, right? Like it, if it's just a cause, you're going you're gonna to run out of steam eventually. If it's just a cause, if it's just a religion, if it's just a way of life or a doctrine or a theology, you're going to run out of steam. You're going to eventually get to that point where it's not worth it. You're not vested enough into it. But when it's personal, when it's somebody you've hung out with, somebody you've talked to, somebody you've shared with, there's nothing, there's no amount of, of like trial that can take the, the, that can take that from you, right? There's no amount of, of hardship that can cause you to say, well, no, you know, I don't, it's not worth it. Because you, it's personal, right? It's, it's part of you. Um, I feel like with, with church, for me, the big moment in my life with the Lord came when it became personal. Like when Jesus was more than just my family's faith or more than just 
um, doing the right thing, right? When it was that, hey, this is a real, genuine relationship. Like, I know this person. He's my friend. He's alive. He's my friend. Um, I, there's times, I've had times in my life where I've been so downcast and distraught and literally like sobbing and Jesus is the only one I can cry out to, right? Now, I can't do that to my parents' faith or my parents' religion. I can't do that to a church or to um, a doctrine or a theology. I can only do that to someone I know personally. When I, I, li- I lived in San Diego for a few years, um, and my roommate, we happened to live just a, a few blocks from Tony Hawk. You guys know who Tony Hawk is? Um, I think he wakeboards. He's a wakeboarder. No, he's a skateboarder. Um, and uh, so we, uh, my roommate got, to, you know, was friends with, with the Hawks, with Tony and his kids and his wife and stuff. And he, my roommate had gone on a trip, and need, he, he was flying back into San Diego, and he needed, um, he needed a ride home from the airport. So he asked me if I could pick him up. So I pick him up, and, and when he gets in the car, he's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? And I said, oh, I don't know. I don't really have plans. He's like, you want to go to the Dave Matthews Band concert? And I, I was, do you guys know who Dave Matthews Band is? Uh, it's like, are you being serious? Okay. Um, it's, well, it, it's literally a band, and the lead singer's name is Dave Matthews. So it's the Dave Matthews Band. So they, they were playing, and my friend goes, yeah, uh, Tony Hawk, the Hawks just, they like texted me and said, that they, they're going to leave some tickets at the counter for us, and, and we can go in if, if we want. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and so we, like, go in, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking my roommate's full of it. You know, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. And we go up, and he's like, yeah, is there a couple tickets here for us? They were left by Tony Hawk. And I'm kind of like, this, is this guy for real? And he goes, and the guy's like, yeah, okay, here you go. And he gives us these, like, VIP passes. And so... We like, I, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And uh, so we walk into like this VIP area and there's all, I feel super out of place because there's all these like fancy people and, and whatnot. And, um, and, uh, and I was just like, oh, this is cool, you know, like the VIP area. And then he's like, no, no, we're down here. And so then I, we, he like, we walked down to where our seats were and it's like, I think it was like eight rows so from the stage. So it was like from here to that door was where Dave Matthews was. And I'm, I'm, look, I'm like walking into our, my seat and there's like Bucky Lassick, uh, Rob Deerdick, like all these crazy like pro skate guys, you know, that um, Tony Hawk hangs out with. And there's Tony Hawk and... Uh, I just remember being like, hey, guys, what's up? And they were like, they just like kind of blew me off. But um, here's the point. Like, I didn't know Tony Hawk. I, I never met him before, right? Like, I think I tried to say thank you to him that night for the tickets, and I think he, like, didn't even see me. Um, 
but my because of my friend, because my roommate, I got to enjoy all the benefits of Tony Hawk's prosperity, right? Like I got to enjoy this VIP treatment simply because my friend knew Tony Hawk. Now that doesn't mean I know Tony Hawk. Like we, a lot of times as Christians, like we get to enjoy all the benefits of being Christian without ever really get, getting to know Jesus, right? Like without ever really getting to know Jesus. And he's way cooler than Tony Hawk. Like, and so that, that's my challenge um, tonight. I'll, I'll close with this scripture, Second Timothy um, the Apostle Paul, it's one of his last earthly writings. So you guys probably know, have heard about the Apostle Paul and all he did. Um, this is what he says to Timothy. He says, if I can find it. He says, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. He's about to die. He's in prison right here. He knows that he's, his time is short. And he says, I know whom I have believed, and I'm able to trust him because I have a vested interest in a relationship with this person that has been tried, and he has proven true in my life. He's on the verge. He's in prison on the verge of death. And he's saying, I can trust Jesus. I know I can trust this guy because he's always come through for me. And so my, my encouragement to you guys is to make it personal, right? Like, this isn't a cause. It's not a theology. This is about someone named Jesus that loves us and calls us his friends, you know? And... Um, yeah, so that, that would be my challenge. Just make it personal, you guys. It, 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 when it's personal, you won't, you know, when it's personal, you won't get disappointed. Like when, it, when, it's, when we view it as church or religion, it's easy to be like, oh, this person wronged me, so I'm going to quit going to church because this guy calls himself a Christian and he wronged me. So I'm going to quit, quit following the Lord because of that. Why, why am I making it Jesus' fault for the way somebody else treated me, right? Like when it's personal, when I have invested into Jesus and I have a vested interest in Jesus, it doesn't matter what anybody else does, right? Like it doesn't matter what church, what happens at church or what happens in the schoolyard, like, Jesus is who I'm after. Um, all right, guys, you've had enough of me. All right. Let, let me, do you guys mind if I just maybe close in prayer really quick? Or, and then Kingsley, if you got anything. All right. Lord, I just thank you for this night. I thank you for everyone here. Um, I thank you for the time that they've committed to be here, Lord, that just shows that they 
have a vested interest in you, Lord, that, that they are taking it serious. And I, I pray that um, they would, it wouldn't just be church to them, Lord, that they would realize that this is about someone named Jesus who loves us so much that he would die for us and then call us his friends in spite of any, anything we could do to offend him. He still calls us his friends. I pray that we would seek you, Lord. Seek to be friends with you. Seek that friendship with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Your wicked hearts to your king.